Well, I am excited to be able to teach at Sukkot. It's always a huge blessing for me, a huge blessing for me. And I can't tell you how many of you have come up to me and said, what's the title? What's the title? Okay, so here's the title. You ready? Write it down. The title for this series over Sukkot is Bine Betwixt. Bine Betwixt. Can anyone tell me, you Hebrew scholars out there? Bet Yod Noon Sofit. Bine Betwixt. I already gave it away with the King Jimmy I attached on the end there. Betwixt. Between. Between the places. Bain betwixt, betwixt. There's Bain betwixt the law. Between the law. That's where we're at, right? Understanding Bain betwixt. The book of the law and the book of the covenant. Bain betwixt the pieces. Bain betwixt the cherubim, the cherubim, like I taught last Shabbat. Bain betwixt the wheels. Remember Ezekiel's vision? Bain betwixt, between the wheels. Bain betwixt the teeth. And I know some of you are thinking, yes, well, I've just had lunch. Bain betwixt my teeth. But no, that's a scriptural term. Between the teeth. Bain betwixt, between the borders. Bain betwixt the wings, the eyes. And on and on and on. And what happens? Buying betwixt. That is where Yahuwah communes with you. That is where Yahuwah communes with you. He doesn't want to commune with you between your teeth. But then again, depending on your translation, I think in the Latin Vulgate, when Moshe came down from the mountain, he had strong teeth, did he not? I think that's in the Latin Vulgate from my recollection. But by buying betwixt, between the cherovim, that is the place. So that's the title of this Sukkot's teaching. And remember, I started out last night with a little brief intro, and we looked at Solomon's temple, and how this was dedicated at Sukkot. So I want to look at Bain Betwixt, and I will repeat that many, many times over these next days, the place in between where Yahuwah wants to commune with us. Bain betwixt Zukot and Zeradath. Like I said last night in First Kings, we saw that the place was between Sukkot and Zeradath. Between, betwixt the clay and the ground. And we're going to be juxtaposing the clay, the carnal man, which is attached to the ground, and the spiritual man that ascends to the place of enlightenment. But I'm going to trigger a bunch of you religious people out there, maybe online as well, because 
Our faith has been jacked and hijacked by a bunch of new age hippies. Okay? It has. I am a firm believer, a firm believer, that all truth is rooted in Yahuwah himself. Because Yahushua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The full manifestation of truth. But I'm not so naive to think that after the exile, what happened is all of the truth that was in centralized and solidified within a nation people called Israel, it got exported out into the nations and got co-opted and hijacked. In fact, several years ago, you may remember I taught a passion for truth, I believe the first time, maybe back in 2012, and I did a teaching on the 28 golden pipes. You spoke about that last night. It has thus been taken down from Passion for Truth's website when I came out with my teaching on Purim and of course Hanukkah. Made me very unpopular and every teaching I did was taken down off of their YouTube channel. We no longer have that one. So if anybody out there does happen to have it downloaded, notify us. We'd love to get that back. But anyway, in that teaching, I correlated that when the loaves of the showbread went on the stack, there was 28 golden pipes, and I correlated that to scriptural thought, and people either loved it or hated it, Oh, he's going on about the 28 New Age chakra points. Oh my goodness, this is Middle Eastern mysticism or Far Eastern mystic. And everybody was either loving it and could understand the biblical foundation or was triggered by the New Age mysticism. So let me be clear from the very beginning. I'm not a New Age mystic. Okay? I do not believe in all of that chakra nonsense. But I do believe that they are lying, thieving little scoundrels. And I am not opposed to taking back what is rightfully Yahweh's and putting it back in its biblical context. And if that triggers some of you, too bad. There's my warning, there's my caveat. So here we go. Because many of us, myself included, we love to read the scriptures and we understand the acronym PARDES, which means orchard in Hebrew, that we should partake of the fruits of the orchard. PARDES, there is the plain sense, the Peshat, the plain literal sense of the text. I believe in that. It's a solid foundation to work from, and that is rooted in Torah. And then from there we have the remez. The text is hinting at something. Then we have the drash. Let's look at it as a drash, an allegory, a metaphor, which will then lead us into a sowed deep understanding. I'm going to venture out and do something that I haven't done before because I feel mature enough to do it and I don't care if you don't like it or not. And that is, I am 
confident that you guys are confident enough in the history of my teaching to know that I believe in the Peshat, literal, plain sense of the text. Yes, I believe there was a man called Noah, and yes, I believe there's a literal ark. Okay? Yes, I believe there was a man called Moshe Rabbeinu, and he ascended and descended the mountain. But I am not afraid now to then jump into looking at the scriptures allegorically to challenge us spiritually. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at some texts that we've all looked literally in the literal doctrinal sense, and we're all secure with that. But now let's jump in to a little allegory and metaphor to challenge ourselves that Yahweh maybe would like us to look at the scripture once we have the literal Peshat understanding of extracting deeper spiritual meaning by looking and applying the scripture allegorically. That will take maturity on your part not to get triggered. Because we have grown up in a very limited Christian worldview where anything spiritual, anything that even smacks of Near Eastern is voodoo, occult, chakra nonsense. True, but hang on a minute, it was stolen. It was stolen. It has been perverted. There is a bunch of lies and devilish wickedness in it. Let's go back to the biblical basis and be mature and confident in his word. Because I am confident in his word. And I believe that my audience at this point, you guys, that we are together. We are together. We are confident in Yahuwah. Okay? When you open your Bible, I've used this many times before, the difference between the the black letters, right? It's the space in between is where the allegory and metaphor is. And that's where Yahuwah speaks to us. That's the difference between black fire and white fire, right? Is the space in between the letters. That's the allegory. That's the metaphor. That's where the jots and tittles are, if you will. Okay? So, there's my introduction. Blooming long-winded, as normal, typical Matthew Nolan. So, we're going to look at conscience. An undefiled conscience. Because conscience is where Yahuwah expresses his holiness. And the Bible is designed to be a tool to aid us in our innermost conscience. The Bible is designed to be a tool to aid us in our innermost conscience, our spiritual man. The Bible is a tool to transform you. It's a tool to transform you. The problem with many of us, and when I say many of us, I am not preaching to you because I'm right there with you. If you want to jump up up here on stage with me, you're welcome because I might sit down. What was that? 
Mary had a little lamb. It's fleece as white as snow. I'm like, what on earth is that? Are you, do you have goats? I'm like, Danan, what the heck did you have for lunch? What is stuck with, what is, what is betwixt his teeth? Good grief, there's a chair betwixt your legs. That, Danan, that is called manspreading, just so that you know. All right, okay, all right. <laughs> okay, enough of the goats, but at least it wasn't devils. The Bible is designed to be a tool to transform us. But the problem is, myself included, many of us have misunderstood Yahweh's design for the Bible in our lives. And that is a consequence of many of us being in the typical church system. And I'm not dogging on the church. It's just a natural phenomena that when we come to where we're at now, that that is the majority of our history. And the reason that we have this mistaken belief is we believe, or had believed, that the Bible was a tool not to transform us, but the Bible we were taught was a tool to form a belief system. You and I were taught that the Bible was a tool to form a belief system. But it's not. It is a tool to transform us. And let me explain the difference. Because with an allegorical approach to Scripture, the Bible can be used as a transformational journal. A transformational journal. And that's what I want to do. And I'm going to start with a journey with Abraham. We're going to journey with Jacob. Abraham was the friend of Yahuwah. We're going to look at Noah. We're going to look at Sarah. We're going to look at Hagar. We're going to look at Rebecca and hopefully awaken the spiritual you and the spiritual me. Because once we've done that, my hopes during Sukkot is that we're going to then examine the hour in which we do live presently, because it's very important to address that. And I think we may even have to address, I know I need to address it in myself, a little bit of apocalypse anxiety. Um, do any of us sometimes get a little, I mean, I... A little bit of apocalypse anxiety. We're definitely going to have to address that because I'm not the only one that gets it, okay? And then my prayerful petition as we journey together is that we're going to arrive at the end of Sukkot with a fully awakened, functioning, conscious in our spirit. We're going to awaken our intuition within our spirit and awaken full communion within our spirit. That is my, my hope and prayer. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 2, it is written, those serving did not still have conscience of sins having once been cleansed. 
meaning a cleansing, transformational system cannot happen through a belief system. Cleansing transformation cannot happen through a belief system because a belief system can easily become a strong tower, can't it? And when I was in the Messianic movement, my belief system became a strong tower. It became a fort in which then I had to defend the fort, right? This is my belief system. I'm using the Bible to form a belief system. Now I've built my fort on which I can attack and I can defend. And if we stay in that system, we're in the system. That's not a transformational system. I've made that mistake, and I think many of you have made that mistake. You've used the Bible as a place to form a belief system that then becomes a fort that you defend or you attack from. You defend or you attack from. Why? Because that's what you were taught. And then the problem happens is that fort, you become afraid to venture out from that fort, don't you? And anyone that challenges your fort, you either attack them or you withdraw within the fort and you begin to find shelter within its walls. Because the reality of it is, we retreated to the fort. Why? All of us. Because we found ourselves outnumbered out there, did we not? We found ourselves outnumbered by the pagan doctrines that infiltrated our churches. We found ourselves outnumbered with our friends and families. We found ourselves totally at odds with the world. So our belief system became our fort from which we would attack and from which we would defend. And then, after a while, we got tired of attacking, tired of defending, so we'd shut ourselves off and retreated. That's the problem with the Bible as a belief system rather than a transformational system. Am I speaking to myself, or does just one person agree with me? If we've turned the Bible's building blocks into a fort in which we're stuck, in which we attack from, in which we defend from, instead of allowing the Bible's building blocks to be the blocks of transformation that it was designed from the very beginning to be. You attack from your pet doctrines. You defend your pet doctrines up the hill. And then when people disagree with you, you just retreat and you cut them off from your fort. Because that is the Bible is a belief system. The Bible is never designed to be a belief system. It was a transformational system. We're going to look at Abraham, the friend of Yahweh. Jacob, Yaakov, the transformational system. The conscience has to be reached by the Ruach HaKodesh, by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible's instruction 
and the Moedim, the feasts are all about. It's a time that we can get away from the world. We can get away from the world and we can thereby commune Bain betwixt, in the place in between where Yahweh will commune with us. And that's where the Holy Spirit can impact our conscience and the Word can transform our lives. That's what I pray for this Sukkot. So we need to become more mindful, more disciplined, but not get locked into a system. Not get locked into a system. I hate the system. You hate the system. Why would we want to get locked into another system, even if it is a belief system of our own making? A transformational system is fluid. It's moving. It's alive. It's not stagnant. You don't need to attack from it. There's nothing to defend because you are being transformed by the washing of the word daily and a regeneration in your life that you see the fruit in your loved ones, in your families, in your relationships. You see the fruit of a transformational system. That's power. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to attack it. It is plain to see the Yaakov, the Jacob in your life. We're going to start off at Bethel and we're going to go on a journey and we pray that we will finally struggle and struggle and overcome and we'll come to full enlightenment at Peniel, right? That's the journey that we're going to look. At, I pray, and I hope I'll be able to develop this further. So, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true lev, a true heart, in full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So, for our intuition to function properly, allowing us to actually draw close to Yahuwah, we've got to have our conscience sprinkled. First and foremost, we've got to be born again. Our conscience has to be sprinkled by the, look at the text, by the blood. And then once we are born again, that should lead us to want to go into the waters of immersion, mikvah. That's the initial phrase. But then it says in the Brit Hadashah, baptisms or mikvaot, plural. Something that you can do often as you get conviction and you overcome sin. Repent and go and be cleansed and move to the next rung in the ladder. Because Jacob had a ladder. We're going to address that. Now I know, and I, we are recording, so I will address the audience online as well as you guys. Online, again, stop getting triggered. People get too easily triggered. And this is going to be very tempting for people to get triggered because they're going to be stuck into that defending the fort and fear and New Age mysticism and all of that mumbo-jumbo nonsense, which is from hell. But if we are confident of Yahuwah and his word, we can house the truth and we can see the difference and distinction. Because I'm tired of people perverting the truth 
and getting into New Age mysticism, but then people in the Bible faith becoming so entangled in their own thoughts that they're not operating as supernatural spiritual beings because they're afraid of the spiritual because the Near Eastern religions have ripped them off. There's a better way. It's Jacob's transformational system. Where do the issuances of life come forth? Proverbs 4.23 tells us, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issuances of life. The issuances of life come from the heart, and drawing close to Yahuwah is the only way to get back to obtaining his very promises for you in your life. And that's where multiplicity takes precedence. Too long I was a minister of the letter in the Messianic movement because I was in my fort. I was either defending it or attacking it. And I don't want to be that man anymore. I'm not that man anymore. And I think you can see the difference in me because I have had some very big struggles in ministry. But through prayer, your support, and the prayers of the saints, I have been able to work through that and overcome to no longer be, I pray, a minister of the letter, but a minister of the Ruach. No longer that of a belief system, because I know what I believe, but now understanding the transformational system. So during Sukkot, I pray that I'll be able to explain some of these scriptures that we're all familiar with in a literal way, that we're confident in a literal way. Like I said, I do believe literally there was a man called Noah and he built an ark. Nobody's disputing that apart from the New Age hippies and we don't care about them. But we should be able to now look at the broader message of Scripture by looking at allegory and metaphor and applying it to your and my real spiritual world, our real spiritual life and issuances that come from our hearts. Now, of course, an allegory, a metaphor, is a way in which a character a place or an event that we're going to see in the Bible, Yahuwah has penned that into his word, not only for a belief system, but more for the transformational system because he wants to illustrate and convey a very complex idea that I challenge myself to be able to communicate to you complex ideas and complex concepts that would normally be incomprehensible to us, he's going to make it comprehensible through our spiritual selves. Does that make sense? It's a bit of a challenge, but I believe we are up to it. So I believe the accounts in the Bible, again, notice I'm repeating myself very much here because I'm a little nervous that we're going to get too many triggered people. Not you, but the people online. So I do believe the Bible is literal in the Peshat, but I also believe we can apply the allegory to these same accounts and find complex meanings through symbology, 
through actions, through imagery, through the very biblical events themselves, which together will create for us moral, spiritual meaning in our lives. And that's what Yahuwah wants to convey. So, turn with me, without further ado, to Genesis, Bereshit chapter 28, verse 12. Bereshit, Genesis chapter 28 and verse 12. And Yaakov, Jacob, he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the Malachim, the angels of Yahuwah, were ascending and descending on him. On him. Now, as sons of Adam, we live within the 49th octave of vibration. As sons of Adam, we live within a vibrational system. And the whole of the furniture within the earthly Mishkan operated on a vibrational system. That's why there were specific rules regarding the curtains and the Ark of the Covenant and the bind betwixt, the place in between the cherovim, the cherovim. We live on this 49th octave of vibration of electromagnetic light spectrum. And below this range are barely, are barely visible radiant heat and invisible frequencies. You've got your infrared, your microwave. And these can be used for either tov, good, or are very evil. The Tov good is what we're going to be looking into, the transformational system. The Ra'a, the very wicked, the 5G that they're trying to roll out, is something we need to be aware of. That will come up later in the teaching when I talk about my apocalyptic anxiety. Okay? And your apocalypse anxiety. But we have to look at the transformational system and we have to understand that we do live within the 49th octave of vibration of the electromagnetic light frequency, where below that, things can be going very, very tove if you're plugged into the Bible's transformational system, or they can go very, very ra evil if you are plugged in to the synagogue of Satan, the 5G, and what they are trying to do to our world through harp and all of those spectrums. And that's what we're going to see is going to be a big part of the next generation or even our generation as this progresses. Ra'a and Tov, good and evil becoming more and more within those frequencies. So, we look at Jacob. Look at this ladder. Look at this ladder in the text. What is this ladder? Literally a ladder? Yes, a ladder. Angels, 
descending and ascending on him, the him being, of course, Yahusha, the full revelation. But the ladder, allegory and metaphor, represents the invisible rungs of energy that start, where do they start? Where is the ladder attached to? The earth. The earth, and then it goes up to the heavens. So where, do, where are we attached to? The earth, but Yahuwah wants us to ascend and he wants us to connect with him and he is in the heavens where he speaks to man. Exodus chapter 20, verse 19, verse 22. We looked at that last Shabbat. So these invisible rungs of energy on this ladder that start at the base, where's our really earthly carnal nature? Right here, isn't it? The Torah tells us this is the belly, the belly, the very central aspect of man where all of our carnal pleasures sit at the base of our spine. And people can get stuck there their whole life in this realm. They get stuck in this realm, never getting out of the earthly man. They're stuck in the belly, in their, in their most carnal appetites, whatever they may be. They rest on the earth. That is the natural man, and he has got no morals. He has found himself, what does Romans say? He is at enmity with Yahuwah because he cannot be subject to to the laws of Yahuwah. That's the enmity man. The carnal man sits at the base of your spine. This is, of course, where Jacob begins his journey. This is where you all begin your journey. Bethel, at the base of your natural man, your natural woman, okay? This is the base of the spine where all those sensual earthly pleasures of the flesh resting on the earth, the lowest point of your very existence, that's where you start off. It has to do with the planes and temptations of the material world. The very center letter, I digress, the very center letter of the Torah is the letter, can anybody tell me? Huh? Oh, we've got all kinds of different. It's actually a vav. It's the Hebrew letter wa or vav, and it comes to us in this word that is found in Vaikra, Leviticus 11, verse 42. There's a Hebrew word there, it's translated in the King Jimmy as the belly. The belly. Didn't I just say the carnal appetites are all right here? in the belly of man. The Hebrew word is gashon. It's spelled gimel, hey, vav, nun, sofit. Gimel, hey, vav, nun, sofit. And that vav within the Hebrew word gashon, which means belly, is the middle letter, the central crux of the whole of Yahuwah's Torah. Meaning, if you want to be transformed into the spiritual you, you've got to start where? You have got to start by dealing with the delinquent you, with the abominable you. Because if you read Leviticus chapter 11, verse 42, you need to get rid of the abominable you. 
Do not make yourself abominable by what you eat, by what you do sexually, by what you look at, by what you hear, by what you put into your innermost self, what you focus on every day in the material world, you're never ever going to get into the transformational system of the Torah unless you deal with your gashon, your belly, your soul, your natural man. This is where it starts. And it's not a 12-step program. It's not a 12-step program. Whatever crawls on its belly, it says in that text, we have to overcome the abominable you, the abominable me. So I'm not going to be talking about 12 steps in this program of salvation. There is one step, and it is the step to the tree of Yahusha. It's a one step. But I am not so naive as to say... Once I accepted Yahushua with that one step, that all of a sudden I overcame all of the, my natural abominable self with that one step. No. Yes, I made the one step to salvation, but then I was left to look at the abominable me. And there is many steps to overcoming and casting out the abominable you. Can we agree with that? Depending of where you've come from. Some of you have been involved in heinous sexual perversions. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been involved in witchcraft. Some of you have been involved in all kinds of things. Everybody's struggle, wrestle, is going to be different, even though you took the one step to salvation. Can we all agree on that? Because the trolls will accuse me, oh, he's teaching many steps to... No, no, he's not. And, you know, I like to have a little bit of fun and poke at the trolls now because that's, what did I say that was the other day? That's my one delinquent delicacy. (laughs) Right? You've got to have a delinquent delicacy. So, it's interesting because I did speak about the base of the spine. How many vertebrae do we have? Trigger alert, trigger alert. How many vertebrae do we have? Come on. Come on, I already gave you the answer because I said it's a trigger alert. How many? How many? Oh, come on. Oh, thank you. Trigger. What are you, a mason? What are you? Are you a 33rd degree mason? Are you? Trigger alert. There's 33 vertebrae. All right, so people, oh my goodness, he's gone all Masonic on us. You know, his dad was a mason. See? See? I remember in one of his teachings, he said his dad was a mason. See, see, we knew it all along. No, right? Okay, but that's what happens. I mean, <laughs> so I'm just like setting you up. Look, the vertebrae column does actually consist of 33 vertebrae. Jacob's ladder. This is the beginning of his journey where he starts to build his spiritual house at Bethel. He undertakes 33 steps to overcoming himself. He starts to rise from the base of his spine, all the trigger alert. He starts to overcome the base of his spine at Bethel, where the ladder rests on the earth. 
and he ascends and he finally meets with Yahuwah at, trigger alert, Peniel. Oh, pineal. Oh, he's talking about the pineal gland. Oh, he's a new age mystic. Can we please grow up? Yes. What did Yahushua say? Did he say that your eye would become single? Yes. Because we're going to talk about that single eye, not the third eye. So, so there's so many triggers here for you guys, okay? Especially online. But there is a non-hemispherical eye. It is, a, is neither left hemisphere or right hemisphere. Let your eye be single. This is science, okay? This is not New Age mysticism. But I have to back the truck up with all the trigger alerts because of just how Christianity made us so fearful of anything that was spiritual, unless it was like babbling on the floor in the Pentecostal church, right? So, I'm trying to coach you along the way so you don't throw the fruit and veg at me. The vertebral column, 33 vertebrae, Jacob's ladder. He begins to build his spiritual house at Bethel. He undertakes 33 steps to overcome his self, his carnal self, his gashon, which ends in Genesis 32, where he is filled with divinity and he names the top of his journey Pineal or Peniel. So there is a difference between the New Age mysticism and what I'm talking about. And the difference is dark enlightenment, the Ra'ah, and divine enlightenment, the Tov. There's a difference between portals versus prayer. The third eye versus the non-hemispherical single eye, which Yahushua spoke about. We have to be mature enough to have reason and be able to apprehend the transformational system. Are any of you triggered right now and freaked out? Who is? You're a little bit triggered? Okay. Well, that's because you're from the Philippines, is it not? Yeah. See, the Philippines, I mean, there is so much occult... Far Eastern mysticism with chakras and all of that. So it's understandable. And I respect that you spoke up because the reality is not a reflection on you personally. It's a reflection upon the culture of which you have come out of. Now, there's many people that may be from Thailand, okay? Oh my goodness, Thailand, my brother lived in Thailand for several years. I'm like, would you stop sending me pictures of your holiday snaps? Because there were blooming idols in everything, everywhere you go, right? So it's been really infiltrated, Indonesia, a lot of those countries. So I understand, you know, you're going to definitely be a little cautious. And that's okay. That's sensible. That's sensible. So, for those of you that are cautious, or those of us that are just sensible, let's break this down in the Hebrew, because I've already stretched you a little bit. Let's look at Bethel. Let's look at Bethel, where the journey begins. Let's break it down. It's a Bet, it's a Yod, and it's a Tav, and an Aleph Lamed. 
Bethel. Let's break it down. Bet. What does that mean? The architect will build his house, the body, from the inside. That's the bet. Then you've got the yod. That's represented by the big white fence. If you take it back to the paleo, this is the representation. The yod is represented by the big white fence, or when it comes to the tabernacle, the blue, the purple, and the scarlet. It's the gate of entrance into the tabernacle. The yod also represents the hand, meaning it's to work and to create. Now, the next letter we have in Bethel is the Tav. It means to accomplish something. And it's in a seal of the covenant, the Tav. From what? What does the covenant do? It is something that protects you from judgment. Then we have the Aleph. We all know the Aleph is represented by the Almighty from heaven to earth. The ox, the head, something that is strong. First, Aleph. And finally, the Lamed, represented by the altar of sacrifice. It's a shepherd's staff. It means to goad the authority of something. So let's begin this journey. Bethel, Bet, Yod, Tav, Aleph, Lamed. I'll break it down with you. We begin our journey by acknowledging we need to live differently. Build a new house from the inside. There's the bet. The yod, where you'll overcome the obstacles and enter the tabernacle gates to build the spiritual you. The tav, how? By the seal of the covenant. The aleph, the almighty from heaven. And then the lamed will lead and goad us. That's what Bethel means. If you just break it down. Then we arrive at the end of our journey at Peniel. That's spelled Pei Nun Yod, sometimes Ibav, Aleph Lamed. The Pei represents the altar of incense, means the mouth, the Pei, to speak communication. The noon represents the brazen altar or the fish, the swimming fish, right? The moving fish that's darting, it's imparting life. The noon. The yod represented by the big white fence, the blue, the purple, the scarlet gate of the tabernacle, the hand to work, to create something. And of course, the vav, represented by the red heifer sacrifice outside the gate, the nail, the hook, the bridge, something that attaches to man. And then you've got the Aleph again, represents the Almighty from heaven to earth. There's your ladder, your ox, your head, your strength. It's first. And finally, with your peniel, you've got your lamed again, represented by the altar of sacrifice, the staff, the shepherd's staff, the goad, the authority. So if you tie all of those letters together to make a phrase to communicate what Bethel or peniel in this instance means, pay meditation, the prayers of the saints communicate, noon, darting between soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, imparting life unto you. 
Yod, where you'll overcome the obstacles and enter the tabernacle gates to work and build the spiritual you. Vav, the bridge of the natural man will carry you outside the gates to attach with the Aleph, the Almighty from heaven to earth, where you will ascend from the earthly you to the heavenly you by his Aleph, his strength and his might. Lamed, to become that living sacrifice led by the staff and the authority of the good shepherd. There's your Peniel. You might need to back the, this teaching up so you can look at the breakdown yourself. But look at your Bethel and you're going to Peniel. So this is only capable through Moshiach, Yahusha, the Hebrew word Moshiach meaning the oil of anointing. So what is the oil of anointing? It's the oil of Moshiach, which is our own tying it back to Jacob's ladder, tying it back to our vertebral column, what is the oil of anointing? If you think about it, of course, in its true sense, the Moshiach, we understand, risen, seated at the right hand of the Master Yahuwah. But when we look at it within our body temple, it is the spinal fluid, which rises up through the spinal column as this yod hey wah hey energy that we now have within us, permeating through us. Because we've accepted the sun, we are now able to be part of this transformative system by the work of the oil, which is the Ruach HaKodesh. And yes, in a physical sense, we do have the spinal fluid through our spinal vertebrae column. So we can see how our vertebral column in an allegory metaphor is like what? The rungs of a ladder. The rungs of a ladder moving from the earthly, central, natural, sinful you all the way to the Peniel. We've got to start at Bethel to reach Peniel. And all of this is only possible through the oil of anointing and the initial acceptance of Yahusha. So you have to be able to, to travel with me on this journey. It's going to be a mature journey that, yes, the more immature may get triggered. But that's okay. It's safe. It's safe. Be assured. Be assured. So as we raise up this ladder of Jacob, we're going to reach... Peniel, that non-hemispherical eye. We do actually have a pineal gland. Okay? But you have to be careful, for sure and for certain, of the luciferic third eye. You have to be careful of opening up those wicked portals through illicit drugs, hallucinogens, pharmacia, occult magic. These are external points and external portals that the world says that you should use that open up your pineal gland. But that is the Ra, the dark light, the dark enlightenment. Portals have to be shut down. The only way you'll reach Peniel isn't the quick fix through hallucinogens, occult magic. That's the Ra, that's the evil. 
How will you reach Peniel? Through an internal struggle of overcoming the natural you. You will have to wrestle with Yah. And that, when you overcome the natural you through the Messiah, the oil of anointing, you will travel up, the spinal fluid will take you all the way to the pineal. Do you see how I'm taking allegory and metaphor and applying it to biblical foundational truths? Do you understand? Or am I just totally a banana boat? Internal rungs. We have, to inter- we have to wrestle with those internal rungs. We have to struggle. How do we struggle? We overcome through struggle in our prayer life. We overcome through struggle with petitions. We start to produce the fruits and we produce those fruits of the Spirit and that equates to divine enlightenment and that is tov. That is good. The external enlightenment is ra'ah. It's dark enlightenment and it's wicked as hell. You do not want to get caught up in that. That's the third eye of the Luciferic realm. That's the counterfeit. That's all the stuff on the back of your mammon, right? That's a Babylonian, Egyptian, occult magic. Wicked as hell. You will never get to Peniel unless you encounter Yahuwah through the Mashiach, the oil of anointing, and you allow that to travel up the spinal fluid through to the Peniel by wrestling with the Malak Yahuwah and finally getting to the non-hemispherical eye, which is different than a third eye, right? And this is what Yahushua said, let your eye be single. He's not talking about... No, he's not talking about that, okay? He's talking about the non-hemisphere. He's talking about Jacob. But we're so, oh my goodness, he's not talking. I don't know why I've, I've, I've like taken on this New York accent the past couple of... Is it her? It's like from the Bronx. I did it like last Shabbat, didn't I? I'm going to have to, if I'm going to use it, I'm really going to have to have a little bit of a voice coach to perfect it. So I can really sound like the guy from The Sopranos. What was his name? Tony Soprano. There we go. You have got to overcome that wicked carnal man and stop watching that stuff. But that was in the late 90s, so we'll give you a break. Well, maybe it wasn't. I know I've never watched it. So, all that to say this, there is no quick trip. And take it from this guy, I tried a lot of quick trips in the early 90s. And they ended up in jail. So, no quick trips will get you to Peniel. No quick trips will get you to Peniel. It is an arduous journey, is it not? It is a struggle. We've been hurt. Some of you have been abused physically, emotionally, spiritually. That's what the feasts are about. Coming together to get that healing. Because you're in a safe camp where people are not going to try and look at form and manner of form. 
but settle down in the place in between where the transformational change can happen. But we'll do it together through the assurity and the security of his word. But we're not going to be afraid to not allow ourselves to be a part of the transformational system by being locked into a fort of doctrine which we have to attack from, defend from. Where's your beard? Where's your seat seat? Woman, where's your dowdy clothing? And your turban from Goodwill that you sewed last night. Right? With our gypsy dancing that we all like to call Davidic dancing. Give me a break, just like it's the star of David, right? No, it's the star of Ralph Farm. But these things are hard for people that are defending a fort to accept and attacking from a fort. Psalm 45, verse 7. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, Elohim, thy Elohim, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. This is the secretion of Mashiach through the Ruach HaKodesh, allegorically, metaphor, and biology, yes. It's part of the 33 vertebrae, the spinal column fluid. You're going to go from the base carnal you right down in this area, and you're going to be able to ascend into a spiritual, spiritual transformational system. The top of the ladder is reaching the heavens where the oil of anointing is, because he sits at the right hand of the Father. That is the sacred secretion of Mashiach, and it does actually touch you. Does actually touch you. That means that the ascent through the spiritual energy rungs of the ladder leads the natural you, to become that spiritual you. And that's liberation. And that's what we want, don't we? Liberty. Set the captives free. You've got, you've got the angels, the angels moving up and down the ladder. And that has to do with Yahusha. And he said that that ladder, it's written that the ladder is him. And we can look at those roads and those paths, and yes, some be narrow and some be broad. But the limitations of individuality or the expanse of individuality is the raising, or you can choose to lower your spiritual self. It's really up to you. What are you going to do? You can choose every day to raise the spiritual you, and you climb that ladder. Or you can climb back down it. Because you know what? This area is always calling to you. It's called your appetites. And the world that we live in, it is geared here. That's it. That's it. That's it.
Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32 is a call to illumination. It's a call to illumination. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. That's Jacob wrestling for the illumination. In those former days, between Bethel and Peniel, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. And as you and I have left the system, have you been made a gazing stock? I, I for sure have. Been made a gazing stock by both reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. We're talking about a call to illumination. What did Jacob have to do before he became illuminated at Peniel? I just read it to you. He joyfully gave a spoiling of his goods. What did he do? He gave it away to Esau, didn't he? He he started to see that he needed to relinquish some of his earthly possessions. What he could see with his natural eyes, the things that bound him. Because this is all in this area here, right? It's all in this area here. Joyfully the spoiling of your goods, just as Jacob did with Esau, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. You see, I spoke before we even started and did the blessing over tithes and offerings. And that's a trigger for some people too. Oh my goodness, it's all about money. They just want money. Hang on a minute. If you don't understand that tithing is a spiritual thing, then you're going to be stuck right here. Right here. Yahweh doesn't need your money. He wants us to be free of anything that would bind us in the natural world. And for some people, it is money. And there is nothing better than being able to be in a position to be generous. But you'll never be generous if you are a borrower. Because the borrower is slave to the lender. And he said, why, if you have been set free, do you now go back forth and entangle yourselves? Because this world wants to keep you here. I see it with my students that can't pay their $250 a month payments, yet they're driving around in what they call murdered out Lexuses. You know what? Of course, you guys, we've got a couple of my ex-students here that aren't like that, but, um, you know, they're all blacked out, the flat black, and they call them, then they call them, somebody said, I'm like, what? What is that? But that's a term, isn't it? It's a legitimate term. Millennial term. Yeah, man, check out my murdered BMW. Hey, really talk about that. What, what do you mean, your murdered BMW? You know, the flat black one out there. Looks really cool. Murdered? Yeah, um, yeah. maybe Tupac drove one. I don't know. I think his was a Beamer, right? 
Anyway, be, be that as it may, sorry. There's me dwelling in the lower rungs. <laughs> Crying out loud, see? We are not, we have to help me, as I will help you. Those lower rungs again. Took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, just like Jacob did with Esau, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Hebrews 10.35 Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of Elohim, ye might receive the promises. When, who did those promises go to? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. I love that. We've done a whole series on that, of course, from the prophets. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. If you start to ascend the ladder and start to climb back down the rungs, Yahuwah will have no pleasure in that decline to the mortal coil, right? But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We're a tripartite being, meaning we are flesh, soul, and spirit. But our spirit is supposed to be the five-star general that is over our soul, which is the captain, which is over our flesh, which is the infantryman that touches the earth, that goes out to the desert. Humanity, the flesh, the world that we live in, the world that they want to force onto you, by default, is stuck in the lower rungs, stuck touching the earth. That's what our whole world is. And the 5G and all those lower radiation systems are meant to keep you there. Romans 8, 6. Walk not after the flesh, but after the ruach. For they that are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the ruach, the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind and the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace because the mind of the flesh makes you an enemy. When you're stuck in those lower rungs of the ladder, you are a natural base man and you are not subject to the laws of Elohim and it makes you an enemy against Elohim because of that very non-subjection to his law. The lower rungs, they sit at the base of your spine in the seat of your carnal appetites where morality and carnality thrive. Where it's not possible for the individual to be subject and to subject themselves to the morality and spiritual direction of Yahuwah. They become stuck. They're locked imprisoned in the lower rungs for a whole life. A whole life. That's why sexual sin is the worst, worst of all sins, because it's against yourself. And it's so addictive. More addictive than any drug. More addictive. 
the most heinous. Because it keeps you in the lower, lower rungs. And you just can't climb out of it. You just can't climb out of it unless you get into a transformational system. And that only happens by the oil of anointing of the Mashiach. The oil of anointing of Mashiach. Sexual energy, gluttony, depressants, alcoholism, they all dwell, all those vices dwell in the lower rungs. Greed, covetousness, being slaves to the lender. Everything, lower rung mentality. What is the common denominator to the following? Stars, years, lambs, spirits, thunders, trumpets. I'll keep on going until somebody shouts it out. Horns, eyes, seals, king. Heads. I'll keep on going until you get it. Mountains. Angels. Bowels. Bowls, even. Plagues. Hey! Seven. Seven is the common denominator of all of those. I was going to finish up with favoured and fat kine were from the King Jimmy. And you surely would have got it when I had said, oh, those favoured and fat kine, right? Of course, seven is the common denominator of all those things. On the seventh day, Shabbat, the seventh month of Moadim, it's all in a day's journey. Seven, the seven rungs from the earth to the heaven. To get there, we have to overcome. Now, Mr. Leach, check me on my math. We have an ongoing joke from when I used to be into the lunar Shabbat and having to do that crazy calendar count. You always check in my math. If there are seven rungs and the first rung is the one that is attached to your carnal, natural man that touches the earth. And the seventh rung is the one that leads you to the struggle, the final encounter and the struggle with the Malak, the angel of Yahuwah, where you finally ascend and reach Peniel. How many rungs do you need to overcome to get there? How many senses do you have? How, ma- how many senses do you have? Six. Five. We have, to, uh, we have to overcome the five senses. Is my math wrong? Okay. I'm just like looking at him, but he's like, okay, thumbs up. Give us some thumbs up, right? Yeah, as you guys travel with me, always check Matthew's math, okay? 
Because I may be good with allegory and metaphor, but Matthew is fully, fully confident in his... No, I'm not... I, uh, math is not my strong point. The seven rungs from the earth to the heaven. To get there, we have to overcome the five senses that block our journey. Really, if you look at the allegory and the metaphor, what, what is our journey to? We want to go into the land flowing with milk and honey and all of the good stuff, the promised land, where the oil of gladness awaits us. I mean, I've had so much fun staying up late at night. My wife, did you have any idea? She's been asked, what are you teaching on? Are you prepared for Sukkot? Because she's been like working away like so busy. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready, yeah. What are you doing? Well, I don't know yet, but I, I know that... <laughs> Well, do you have a title for the team? No, well, no, I don't. No. But you're not worried? No, 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 it's going to be fine. It's only a week away. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what? I've had fun with this because Yahweh works in mysterious ways as we get closer to Peniel. We have more spiritual interaction. And the synapses and everything starts to happen so much faster and so much quicker. What used to take months and months of nurturing and months and months of digging with a big shovel now can be so much quicker because of that strong foundational base. Meaning we have got to ascend from the earthly man, the base, rung number one to the heavens, rung number seven, Peniel. We've got to pass through the five natural senses to get there. Can we all agree on that? Sex, violence, greed, temptation. Now, I'm not saying that a man can't give his wife due benevolence within marriage. No. Of heavens forbid. The marriage bed, Hebrews says, is what? Undefiled, and the merrier thou go to it, the better. No, but it, no, it doesn't. But that should be in there. So don't get me on some religiosity trip. But within the confines of holy matronomy, matrimony, that is difference. I'm talking about the carnal, wicked, evil man that would seek to be an adulteress, a liar, and a pervert. Those are the things that I'm talking about. That kind of sex, violence, greed, temptation, lust, they all sit at the base of the ladder. But prayer, peace, contentment, and purity, they all rest at the top of the ladder, right up at that seventh rung. So if I was to close, which I should, because it's coming up, but I want to have a little more fun with metaphor and allegory. Let's talk about Shimshon. What a name. Samson, right? Samson, think about it. When did Samson ascend? If we're going to look at it with allegory and metaphor. Samson, he, was, he had a man, he was a man that was struggling, was he not? When did he finally ascend? When did he find, when he overcame what? He overcame, just like you and I have to, he overcame the beast within. So the allegory is what? Where was the honey found? You've got to overcome the beast within. The honey is found inside the carcass of the lion. 
There's the allegory and metaphor. You have to overcome your beast within to taste the land flowing with milk and honey. We've got to overcome the five natural senses, the beast within, to taste of the honey. And of course, that's the allegory and the metaphor just from the life of Samson. I mean, all of these truths, like I said when I began, they've been co-opted and corrupted by these New Age hippy-dippies, these Eastern false religions. But we know, according to Hippopotamus, that's really not his name, but it, it may as well be because it looks like it, but um, Hippolytus, maybe that's a better way to pronounce it. Is that the correct way? Hippolytus. Hippolytus had a spot of cantacaritis with the arthritis. But no, he's a real man. Hippolytus, actually, according to the writings of Hippolytus, he was an eyewitness and an eyewitness account from Eusebius. Bartholomew and Timothy, they ended up preaching in India which would make sense why many of these biblical truths ended up in these Near Eastern religions. Because according to Hippolytus and the eyewitness account of Eusebius, Bartholomew and Timothy preached in India and they left the message of ascension and the anointing of Messiah right there and then. So biblical truths have been ripped off and perverted by the false Eastern religions. But that doesn't mean that we should be afraid. That doesn't mean I'm not going to take them back to their biblical origins of purity to take us to a new height in a transformational system since Timothy and Bartholomew may have left these truths in those Eastern countries. Because as believers, all of us in commonality, we have to slay the giant within. We have to overcome the stranger within that would seek to stay within our gates. We have to overcome the alien. We have to overcome our own stranger, which is your ego which is the carnal you that sits at the base of your spine. If you allow them to dwell higher than you, then what happens? Goliath wins. How did allegory and metaphor? David only overcame the giant within when he slew him. He slew the five carnal senses. How many stones did he pick up to slay the giant? There's the allegory and the metaphor. You've got to slay the giant within. The only way to slay the giant within is by overcoming your five natural senses. You have to ascend from your base man right in this region and become the spiritual you. You've got to overcome the stranger at your gates. You know that stranger that wants to take you back into perversion? Anger indifference, whatever it is that you began your life journey here on earth, those are the lower rungs. And you've all got a different story. We've all got a different story, but we all started out at the lower rung until we met Moshiach. And that lower rung is the temptation of the base carnal natural man and woman within you. King David slew Goliath allegorically 
by ascending the five rungs of the ladder from carnality to his spiritual enlightenment with Yahuwah, one being earthly, seven being heavenly, he slew the giant within with five stones. Overcoming the five senses is how he slew Goliath. Five stones. We have to be able to raise to our higher levels. And this is something that is so, so key. And how did Goliath finally drop to the ground? Because David hit him in the lower regions of the spine. Oh no, where did he hit him? Let thy eye be single. A non-hemispherical eye is how you slay the giant within. There's the allegorian metaphor just from that. Does that make sense? But this is what is within the Bible that too many times we're afraid to look at it that way because it's too spiritual. But there is so much meaning of overcoming this journey from Bethel to Peniel. He struck the giant in the pineal gland, the forehead, and that is how he slew the giant. Likewise, we know that when Yahushua was on the tree, did Yahushua struggle in the earthly realm? <laughs> Would you guys please stay awake? Please! And off they go nodding again, right? And how many times was he struck? Five times. And he ascended into heaven. There's the allegory and metaphor. In the Garden of Eden is when he was in the full, full, full thrux of being amongst humanity and the doubts, fears, drops of blood from the fear. And then he struck five times. Both feet pierced, both hands pierced, struck in the side five times, and he finally then ascends to heaven. The allegory and metaphor there, again, it's the same thing, isn't it? You've got to overcome the five senses, the natural man. He had to overcome and go, let your will be done, O Yah, Father in heaven, not my will. Not what happened in Gethsemane, but what happened on his ascension is the victory. It's no different, of course, for us. Through his work of redemption, we're able to overcome the natural base elements of our humanity. Yahushua is our example. He moved through the vertebrable column, if you will. 33 vertebrae. I mean, yeah, you could really allegorize that and say, well, he was 33 years old, right? Exactly. That was the end of his journey. The top of the vertebral column. He was 33 years old. That would be the 33 steps of ascent of Messiah to the heavens. And of course, the counterfeit is what? A 33 degree mason, right? Which would be the seven sons of Sceva. There's your counterfeit. There's your 33 degree mason. But we need to understand that we have a transformational system right at our very fingertips. And I'll finish up with this. Are we doing okay for time?
How long have I been rattling on up here? Oh, that's a long one for me. That's like old school, isn't it? That's like how we used to back in the day. I think that's enough for right now. We'll begin next time with the seven sons of Sceva and the 33 degree masons. All right? Because that actually ties in. They get their um, false writings from taking allegory and metaphor and perverting it from the very scripture that I shared with you last night, King Hiram Abiff. And this is where they get their origins and perversions. But so what, all of a sudden, the writings in 1 Kings chapter 7 and 8 aren't true? Heaven forbid, of course they're true. Just because the counterfeit, the 33-degree Masons, pervert the truth from 1 Kings with the master builder, Hiram Abiff, doesn't mean that we will go not go back and explore the journey of transformation. And that is what I hope we can continue to do over Sukkot. But here's a start for us. Maybe today we're at Bethel, but I pray by the end of Sukkot we will all be together with Yahuwah at Peniel. Let your eye be single. That's a non-hemispherical. Not sway to the left, not sway to the right. It's non-hemispherical. Single-minded on the kingdom of Yahuwah. Amen? Baruch Hashem Yahuwah.